Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. All right, so college football has certainly entered a very different era from where the sport was really just a few years ago, and the changes have been uncomfortable out there for a number of coaches. Let's take Adam Schefter's tweet here, for example. A trend that has emerged this winter. Many college coaches are tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money, and the new NCAA world and prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches already have left. Many more want to. Of course, Schefter doesn't speak for Arizona State head coach Kenny Dillingham, who doesn't want to hear your complaints. Here he is during a radio appearance on Wednesday when he was asked about the trend of head coaches leaving those jobs due to issues created by things such as NIL. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I joke around, but you know how many people want my job? <laughs> like, you know how many people want my assistant coach's jobs uh -huh. and my analyst jobs and the, and the QB and the GA's jobs? So don't complain about what we do. You're blessed. There's a lot of negative of it, yes. But do you know how many people want to be a college football coach? I literally spent nine years of my life doing anything <laughs> to become a coffee boy. So don't Fantastic. give me don't give me the oh it's hard to be a college coach right now. Yeah, it's hard. Then quit. <laughs> that's fantastic. Like that's how I look that's at it. All right, the guys are standing by with the man of the hour right now. Take it away, boys. 
100% yeah, so we're, we're very lucky to be joined by Kenny Dillingham, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, joining us now. And, and Coach, listen, I know it's been a couple of days uh, since those comments started to make the rounds. And, and I, I know for you, you're going through this like a lot of other coaches right now. You've seen, I'm sure, what a lot of your brothers in the coaching industry are going through. So uh, what was the point you were kind of trying to get across in all of this? What is your kind of view on this right now? Yeah, my point was, regardless of how the obstacles that are now in college football, which there are a bunch of them and people are trying to fix them and, and change it and make it better. I'm not arguing that. What I'm arguing is if you wake up every day and you're a college football coach, whether you're a position coach, analyst, GA, and you're not blessed to do what you do, we're, we're cheating these, you're cheating the guys. And I think the majority of the college football coaches that still do it are making a decision to still coach because they love it. And that's the point I was trying to make is, I love this. I love it. I'm on a local radio show. I'm talking about the passion I have for what I do every day. And yeah, is it hard? Yeah, is it difficult? Yeah, there are things that keep coming up that make it even more difficult. But at the end of the day, nobody cares. Nobody cares about your circumstance. So figure it out. Find a way. And that was what I was saying was, man, I'm blessed to be here. If they fired me today, they could have a coach tomorrow. And they're going to have a coach in 10 seconds. They posted on Twitter that had 5,000 replies. And we need to be, we're blessed to do this, man. We're blessed to be able to impact these guys and, and be around a, a locker room, which when you're done playing sports, that's what people miss the most is being around a team and the camaraderie. And we get to do that for a living. That's a special profession we're in. Let's not take it for granted. And even though there are obstacles that we need to fix and there's people way smarter than me trying to, let's not take what, what we have for granted as a football coach. Coach, I, I a thousand percent agree with that. I mean, th this is, it's, it's like rule changes in sports. They say, oh, you can't do this. Well, you know what? Players adapt to rule changes and coaches need to adapt to the way the landscape of college football is now. And those, you know, it's adapt or die. There's no sense in complaining about it when it's not going to change. How do you use it to your advantage? And for someone like you, you're 33 years old and a head coach at Arizona State is, is really damn impressive. But you've been at Memphis. You've been at Auburn. You've been at Florida State. You've been coaching before the NIL and the transfer portal and now in it. What has been... Because as you mentioned, it is can be a little more difficult. What have been some of the the bigger hurdles that have come up since this has all started? Yeah, I mean, just the fact that there's not many regulations around it uh, from a coaching perspective make it more difficult. From a player perspective, make it more difficult because you know that it's all basically verbal con verbal conversations right now of what other people make and what this and there's no true deals being set for these guys when they get somewhere so i'm always going to be an advocate of protecting the player uh i i that's just how i operate so i think more rules in place to protect the players before they get to a school but uh that also opens up bigger cans of worms that's why i don't have solutions but uh <laughs> i just have problems in this in this space i don't have this i don't have the, the fixes unfortunately <laughs> But it definitely, it makes it difficult to, you got to weed through. It used to be somebody who promised you playing time. Someone would promise you that you're better than this guy. Now it's all these other types of promises that can truly affect people's lives. And sometimes they come true and sometimes they don't. And that's what painful for me to see is when those promises that affect people's lives don't come true uh, and they're making life-changing decisions off of it. 
Uh, and listen, you know, Jaden Rashada was a quarterback that was at the center of that before he wound up with you guys at Arizona State. In general, Coach, how do you focus on then your message in the midst of all this with things being promised and all of what you just described? How do you approach dealing with players with all of this in the purview? I think honesty. Like, we're an undersell, over-deliver program, and we're going to be brutally honest. And that's the, you know, I'm young and I'm fun and we do fun things and I have a lot of energy. Great. At the end of the day, our program is built off honesty. Like I'm going to be brutally honest with these guys. When I meet with them, if somebody wants me to come in and tell them how good they are, that's not what they're going to hear. They're going to hear the truth. And I think when you're honest with people, you earn their respect and uh, it's just what I believe in. So I think through all of this maze of college football right now, which I agree with, there needs to be try to try to help it. Right but not necessarily for the coaches, for the players. Uh, I think the side right now is everybody's defending the coaches' side of it. It's just as much the same issue the coaches want to fix are the same issues that are actually negatively affecting the players in terms of how the rules work in some ways. So uh, I'm just – I want the players to be in the best position for them uh, when they embark in their college career and they know what they're about to get into, not hope they know what they're about to get into, which right now it's just a hope – that these things come true. And, and you're right. Sometimes players don't want to hear the truth, but it's the best thing for them to sometimes hear the truth, even if it's not uh, the good there. I've asked many other college head coaches this just because of how it changes for you. When you go sit in a recruit's living room and talk to him and his parents, you know, it was you, you sell the school and why you want to come play there and, you know, be your coach and, now it, it almost seems like the first question you have to answer is how much, you know, through the NIL. So how, how I'm curious as how you navigate that to other coaches that I've talked to navigate that question with recruits. Yeah, to me, that's one of the, I don't bring that up unless they bring it up. Uh, and that's not a negative way. It's just not, not everybody is that the focus, uh, you know, some people, that's the focus. Some people, you know, that's third or fourth down the list. And I'm not going to jump to conclusions about somebody in terms of where $40,000 and how much that can affect their life. Uh, so I let kind of people bring that conversation to me. And then I just explain the guys on our team and how it works with them. Uh, because you can't actually negotiate deals. You can't do those things. You can just inform people of what your players make uh, on your team. So I kind of let that question come up naturally. Or if I feel that they don't know how to ask it, I'll bring it up. But I don't just jump to conclusions on that because there are some people who, who get, you know, if you come out with that, uh, then that's your number one pitch for why you should come to their school. And some people are still want to go to a place with education and the ability to play. And if your number one pitch is, I'm going to pay you or my players make $80,000 more than you, then maybe that's a turnoff to that kid. So I think you it just, it's different with every kid, I would say. Uh, certainly that conversation on the front end with players is something like you said, that's changed a lot recently. One of the other things that we always hear about as one of the difficulties coaches discuss is the idea of having to re-recruit your own players every year, what the option of the transfer portal presents for a lot of guys. So uh, what does that entail in practice that you've seen so far since you've been on the job as the head coach at ASU, this idea of, all right, I've got to constantly be managing the relationships of these guys on my team that may be looking at the exit. Yeah, well, I preface this entire conversation with I've been doing this one year and we won three games last year. <laughs> so do not 
by any way, shape, or form, take this as the solution or the answer <laughs> or the right way. I want to make that perfectly clear. Uh, but it, relationships and honesty, at the end of the day, kids are going to reach. Everybody says there's a new generation of kids, right? I'm part of it. At the end of the day, people are want to please people. That is human nature. Nobody wants, I don't want to come on this show and you guys say, oh man, that was horrible. I'll never have that guy on again. Like, I want to please people. You guys have me on your show. I want you guys to feel, okay, I'm glad we have him. That's human nature. So I say that because at the end of the day, if you set high expectations, if the kids really know you, they, you care about them and that you want what's best for them and you can make them better and show them that you're making them better, I think that's the recruitment of your staff. This whole... The, the notion of the re-recruitment of your staff, we actually, I don't do much of that. Uh, if people want to be here, they want to be here. If people don't, they don't. Now, I think, like I said, I don't know the right answers uh, to how that works. Some people re-recruit the staff. That may be the, or the players. That may be the better way to do it. I just truly want people on our team that want to be here, that are passionate about ASU, passionate about the people around them, and that want to be a part of it. So as I mentioned, the other stops you're at, OC, you know, with Memphis and Auburn, Florida State, Oregon. So now you're in, as we call it, the big chair at Arizona State for the first time. You had the one year, three and nine you go. What what are a couple of the biggest things you learned in becoming a first-time head coach and then going through the season that you did? Yeah, I think one is everybody does it differently and every job and every roster is different. Uh, especially when taking over a place. So how you practice at one place, uh, you may not be able to practice like that at another place, maybe based off of depth. And okay, because you can't practice like that, maybe you can't practice as physical here because you don't have the depth. How does that affect the schemes that you run? Because if you're not going to be, be able to run inside run for 15 minutes a day because you don't have the depth to keep people healthy, then can you be a ground and pound team or you now have to open it up and spread it out? because it's not conducive to practice. So I learned a little bit being at different stops and different people, how they've done it. I try to take that implemented here, but I really think I can do a better job taking actually what we have, how, do, how does our roster and our balance allow us to practice? And then how does that practice correlate to a game in terms of reps? And if we're running things that I've done in the past, just because, but it doesn't fit what we do, then that's not going to do something winning. So I would say when you're taking over a new place, really evaluate what you are and then affect that in the practice plan more than I probably did last year. So with that as one of the big takeaways, you guys also have one of the big goals back on the table. You guys had the self-imposed bowl ban last season. I remember that came down right before the year, and you were really candid about how much that hurt the team and what that was as, as something that was a goal you guys had talked about. So now on the other side of that, how much does having that back as the carrot at the end of all this, the idea of bowl eligibility matter going into this season for you guys? Yeah, I think just for our guys – it's more the emotional toll on somebody than, than that. Like our, our program's vision is success and we want to be successful. And what that is, is just being the very best at what you're doing all the time. It's that simple. There's not a championship. There's not a win. There's not a loss. It's just being successful every single day. So it's that moment was definitely more of a pull away and more of a, you know, morality 
you know, it just kind of hurt the morale a little bit, which, you know, we, I think we, we rallied in some capacity, but I think having that back uh, is definitely something that our players are excited for. Uh, but hopefully they're not looking at it. Hopefully they're focused on getting better right now. Today, we're about to go out to workouts in 47 minutes. Our staff will be out there. We split up into 10 competition teams and we compete for an hour in workouts team by team and we score points because life's about competition. Sports are about competition. There is a winner. There is a loser. That's how it works. And I want them to be able to respond to that and grow from that. It, for the Big 12, it, it, their style of play, I know it, it, you're going to play the game. You're going to play the game. But does that matter to you in the way some of the other Big 12 teams play on how you may have to adjust at all? 100%. I think that's a great point. Changing leagues, league schemes are different. This league, the three high safety stuff that Iowa State and Matt Campbell brought in uh, when he came, kind of took over the league for a little bit. And there's been some people, Cincinnati hired somebody from that staff to add that. Uh, you know, TCU was that they took away. They just went a different direction. But you really have to study the trends of the league schematically. That way it pairs up with your practice plans uh, more when you get into fall camp and when guys get into some summer offseason uh, film watching on their own. Uh, you really have to educate them on what the differences in the schemes are. That way your plans coincide with that. So scheme change there, certainly. Like you said, there's a lot to look forward to this year for Arizona State football. I know we're super excited to watch you guys. You guys are chomping at the bit, getting ready to go out there and work out now. And so before we keep going down to the future, I did want to turn eyes back on one thing. We're coming up to the NFL draft right now. You were at Oregon for a year when Bo Nix got there. And you got Bo at a really interesting juncture in his career for a lot of people publicly, the way that he was perceived. And then we're a big part in now what he's become as not only a guy who's a great college player over the last couple of years, but someone who's now getting ready to be an NFL prospect. So uh, from what you saw when you got to work under the hood with Bo, how do you think he's going to fare as an NFL quarterback? I people all the time, you better draft him. You better draft him. <laughs> the dude is a winner. He's competitive. He's a great human being. Um, he's smart as all get out. Uh, you know, if I would have gone back to Oregon, I don't even know if I would have had, I was run it, Bo. Like in, in the system we had, he knew it as well as any coach on our staff, if not better at times than me. He'd be like, but I got this luck. Shouldn't we do this? And he, I'm like, yeah, that's a good answer too. So that guy is a can't miss human being, can't miss football mind. You know, I never like to to tell scouts or GMs about the physical. That's their job is to measure how good they think he is physically. I think he's showtime. He can make every throw. I remember a story Coach Lanning one day told him, uh, yeah, you know, we just got to arm strength. Gain your arm strength a little bit. The dude can throw the ball 65 yards. Coach was just challenging him with something. And the next day of practice, on the middle of a Tuesday, when we're an individual, he's on his knees launching the ball 50 yards trying to improve on it. <laughs> it's just, that's who Bo is, is he's going to take every challenge you give him personal. If you say he can't do this, okay, that's a personal vendetta that I can. If you say somebody else is better than me at this, I'm going to find a way to bridge that gap. And when you have somebody who's a great person, super intelligent, comes from a great family, football, faith, family, he is the definition of it. Uh, and then you combine his skill set, and he's faster and more athletic than people think, uh, draft him. That's what I would say.
Uh, an incredible endorsement there that I hope people listen to uh, from somebody who knows it incredibly, incredibly well. Coach, we appreciate the time this morning. Best of luck this season. Best of luck with workouts today. We know it's a five minutes in front of your face kind of sport. So go give them hell at the workout this morning. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon here down the road. Sounds good. I appreciate y'all having me. Have a great day. Thanks, Coach. There we go. Kenny Dillingham, kind enough to join as the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils. And, Dad, I think it's interesting with Kenny. I was thinking about this as we were asking him these questions in the interview. Like, when it comes to all the changes in the sport, as far as being a head coach, he doesn't know any different. He doesn't know anything different than no. having to go out and fundraise for NIL or having to deal with players who have the portal as an option or who have NIL as an option here. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch what a generation of coaches like Kenny do with the opportunity where you don't know any different than what's going on for him, for Dan Lanning, who took over in the midst of this, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. There's an incredible opportunity for people who are willing to embrace all of this change as their normal and go from there. Yeah, listen, and, and I, I appreciate that very much because you can complain about something, you can act how, uh, on how hard it is, or you can try and manage it. And that's who's going to come through this is those who find a way to manage where we are. And he's right that the, the thing that needs to happen is there needs to be more guardrails just so everybody has a better idea of what you can and you can't do. Uh, but, you know, while that's going on, you manage as best you can given the circumstances. And for old guard coaches, it is a monster change to what they're used to as opposed to guys you know, like Kenny Dillingham, who, have, like you just said, this is their era. This is what they're used to. Do you, I'm not sure, and we're running out of time. I know, buy into what, what, what Shefty had said, our buddy from when we were together at ESPN, that more coaches are leaving. I mean, I still think college, you know, the college coaches are always going to be around. There's always somebody that's going to want to do it. But do you really, do you think they're bailing more because of the rules now? You know what? I, I do and I don't. Why don't we stick with this coming up next? Because I yeah. think there's a little bit of truth to what Adam Schefter said. Certainly we've seen it, but also part of this I think is overstated. And the reason why it gets overstated is what bothers me about this becoming a constant headline. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Goal with Michael Jr. Michael Golick Sr. here. Our thanks to ASU head coach Kenny Dillingham for joining us. And, and Dad, talking about the, the headline that came off, and Emerson set it up before the last segment, but... It bears repeating the tweet from Adam Schefter yesterday. So USC running back coach Keel McDonald had gone on and been hired by the Los Angeles Chargers. He was another one of the college coaches 
that had made the jump to the NFL this offseason, which is one of those things that does happen, I'm sure, for position coaches more often than we see in a given year. But people yes. have become incredibly sensitive to it this year because we've seen a few high-profile names make the jump. We've seen guys like Jeff Halfley, who were head coaches at Power 5 schools like Boston College, make the jump to being position coaches in the NFL. And Adam Schefter became the latest in a group of people to tweet about the trend that emerged this winter. College coaches tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money, and the new NCAA world, and prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches have already left. Many more want to. What I'd say about this, because you asked about how true I believe this statement to be, Dad, there's some truth that I think the NFL's always been more appealing for certain reasons than college football, yes. right? Before it was this, it was just the general idea of having to go out in the road as much as you do to recruit. And what a time suck that is having to worry about, are these guys going to class? Are they handling all the other business that comes with being a college football player versus an NFL player where you just go and coach ball with those guys in the NFL? So there's always been that appeal. Do I think some of this has expedited that? Absolutely. I said at the beginning of all this NIL change, some of these rule changes were going to make a certain section of the coaching population, and I figured it would be a little bit older and a little bit more accomplished, decide, hey, you know what? I've done enough. I've been around for enough. I don't need to deal with another round of change in the sport. I'm probably good in all this. Some people got a little shocked when you had younger guys like Halfley joining the cause and joining the fight in that, but Dad, I... I the problem I run into is the way it's framed usually ends up becoming deeply anti-player where it's, all right, well, we got to take away from these guys. When the group that had less suddenly gets some, it feels like they've got everything. And that's sort of what's gone on with the players and all of the new rights they've gained here where, yes, it hasn't been rolled out the best way. I think we can all admit that for coaches who didn't have any say in how this process went too. So there is empathy or sympathy that I have for coaches in these positions, but when it's made out to seem like, oh, we're losing these great men, how is this sport going to go on? When, as Kenny said, if a coach leaves, there's going to be someone else ready to step up and take that job because the money, power, yeah. and everything else that comes with these jobs are still incredibly appealing to a lot of people that don't have that NFL opportunity because there's only so many of those at that level and only so many people coaching in college that are actually qualified for them. So I think that part gets overstated a lot. Yeah, I would like to see numbers associated with what Shefty's tweet was, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, because I, I think always the appeal for coaches – Coaches want to eventually be head coaches somewhere, be it in college, or get to the highest level, and that's the NFL. That's, that's always been there, always. So coaches, uh, when they get the opportunity to jump to the NFL, are going to take that. Even if they're a coordinator in college to maybe be a head coach, they'll take a position uh, to be a position coach in the NFL because now they're in the NFL, and they start that NFL clock going of being an assistant coach. So that's always been there. Now, to sit there and say that the current landscape of college has nothing to do with coaches going would, would be naive. There's no doubt that, that the pro style anyway was more conducive to a coach not having to worry about, like you said, recruiting and now NIL and all the things that come along with it. It was, I think, to me, always more appealing. But there are some coaches that just want to be college coaches. They're happy there. If they can get a head coaching job in college, they'll do it for the rest of their lives, and, they, and they'll turn down uh, anything going to their pro sport. Probably the, one of the biggest ones, Mike Krzyzewski. How many times was he you know, want, offered to be in the NBA and never wanted to? He just wanted to coach in college, and that's cool. But a lot of coaches, they want to go to the top league. So 
But I agree with, to your point, it's just highlighted more because of the landscape of college football. So while I do think there is some truth to coaches wanting to maybe make that move sooner than they wanted to, I, I don't think this is all of a sudden, look at this thing going on in college coaching. Everybody wants to bail and go to the NFL. No, a lot of the people want to go to the NFL no matter what and understand they have to take maybe a lesser job in the NFL to, like, as I said, start their NFL clock to rise among the ranks there. I guess the problem I have is it's just presented as this existential problem in a sport that's got yeah. actual yep. existential problems. And those have nothing to do with what the players have done here. And I got to check my own biases here, right? I'm deeply pro player when it comes to this stuff. And I'm always sensitive when it seems like people want to come back in and take what these guys have gotten and gained in ground where they don't have representation. College football is dictated to the players and not the other way around. They have very little voice. People say they have a voice now more than ever. It's true to an extent, but a lot of that's come from higher courts it's not been because the players have been able to go out here and necessarily will change with their collective might that's a lot harder than people make it out to be and so I know I'm very sensitive to that stuff but it just seems like this is another way to reframe NIL on the portal as this boogeyman that's destroying the sport while we watch major conference realignment the playoff expansion everything around the TV deals that governs the sport in college football right now as the real change agents in this but then we go back and just try and scapegoat players and say all right well you know what? we can take a little bit back from what they have to make everybody else feel good and make the sport feel I, I get it we've changed your thing College football is a yeah. very important yep. thing for a lot of people. And when your thing gets changed as much as it is, it feels scary. Change is scary for all of us, no matter what, no matter what circumstance in life. I get all that stuff. But man, it, it's sometimes when you're going through that change, you got to just pause and understand that eventually you're going to create something of a new normal. And we'll figure out better ways. Hell, there's already change happening in college football right now. News that the early signing period in college football, remember they got two of them now, one in December, one of the normal ones that comes up at the start of the new year. They're going to move that one up now before the portal opens because we saw what a jumbled mess that had become when you got coaching staff trying to juggle both at once. We're making these tweaks to the system to try and make it run better. We created the transfer portal windows already. We're only a few years into this, so we're going to get better at doing this stuff. And I want to just make sure that we don't go and make this rash decision to make the rest of us feel comfortable that once again is another thing that's dictated to players who have no control over that circumstances, fully acknowledging that coaches can largely be in that same boat at times. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things here is we're used to the NCAA moving at a glacier pace, right, on any kind of change. And now all of a sudden, you had NIL with players taking money anywhere they wanted, and you had a transfer portal. And all of a sudden, there was this massive change in a short period of time compared to what the NCAA is normally used to. And I just think it put a lot of people on their heels. To the point where now we are making these comments of, boy, everybody wants to get out, where I don't believe that's the truth. I believe it's changed. I believe some don't want to do it anymore, but I still think for the most part, uh, Kenny is right. There will always be, for one coach that doesn't want to coach in college, 5,000 will want to <laughs> and start their coaching career. So it's, uh, that, there's never going to be a shortage there. That, that's never going to be an issue.
No, and I think that's ultimately where I want to work at. And most of us who have beat the drum for players over the years have done so because you've got this easy comparison right here of we just kind of want you to treat the players and the coaches the way that you treat the coaches more often than not, right? We've always highlighted, hey, the coaches have the ability to pick up and go wherever they want for a better deal, to move in a way that affects the 100-plus guys on a roster more so than any one player transferring can affect that coach in there. We want to see in situations like this, you give them some of that same agency right now as we're talking about all of this like it's the doom and gloom. Like, hey, these coaches just left a bunch of players high and dry this late in the recruiting yeah. cycle. Some of them yep. are getting ready to start spring ball and no one bats an eye. But when a player leaves, all of a sudden he's committing some mortal sin against the franchise that he just left. So <laughs> those are the inconsistencies that become maddening to those of us who put on the helmet before and now who try and guard their best interest when we get the opportunity. Yeah, there's so much more to talk about here. Nick Saban is, is speaking up as well, talking about two-year contracts for players so you know they're going to be there. And my thought quickly on that is, as soon as a coach can't move for two years when he signs a contract, yeah. then we'll start talking about that for the players as well. So let's all look in the mirror there, coaches, before you start telling the players, oh, you better, you better live up to that scholarship that we got you. Hey, maybe you want to live up to the contract the coach signed as well. This, oh, by the way, is a good reminder that Nick Saban and most coaches, I think, would prefer a model that more closely mimics professional sport. If that's the thing that you yep. think is greener grass, we've heard most of them back it up publicly saying, yeah, it'd be a lot easier for us if you just went ahead and did it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So the Bucks haven't really been able to figure out since Doc Rivers took over. They're three and seven during that 10-game stretch. And Giannis has no survivor to surviving changes throughout the franchise from top to bottom. Although this year may take the cake when it comes to instability and the Greek freak sounds like he may be freaking out uh, quite a bit. A lot of things in terms of what's going on, what's wrong, a lot of things up and down changes. As I said, game plan, structure, all of the BS. We can start from bleeping ownership changed coach changed coach. Changed again. Star players changed from Chris Middleton being in and out like so much effing S. It's just up and down, up and down. So many things changing, man, but we got to stay together. 
I don't like to victimize myself. I don't like to feel bad about myself. That's not who I am. So those were his quotes to the athletic there. Uh, gentlemen, we talked a lot about the uh, Bucks' ability to turn this thing around this week, but how much do you put on Giannis's shoulders, Gojo? Well, I mean, he's got ample shoulders to be able <laughs> to ginormous. shoulder that load. So I feel pretty good about that, as I feel good about your dramatic reading of Giannis Antetokounmpo's <laughs> quotes there. But yeah, let's run down the timeline for a second, Dad. When you look, this has been a year where there's been a lot of tumult in the Bucks organization. Back in April, the NBA Board of Governors approves Bucks' new ownership by the Haslam Sports Group. Two weeks later, after an injury sideline, Giannis early in the playoffs, they get bounced by the Miami Heat in round one. They fire Mike Budenholzer after that. They hire Adrian Griffin a month later. At the end of September, they bring in Damian Lillard for the trade. Then Giannis, who had been non-committal over the summer about signing long-term signs and now you've gone through a season where they've already fired Adrian Griffin as he mentioned Chris Middleton who's an incredibly important player to this team and was on their championship outfit been in and out of the lineup replacing Drew Holiday with Damian Lillard hasn't been perfect yet Dame's also been a guy that missed games leading up to the all-star break so you understand that while we just look and say well you've got Giannis well you've got Dame this should be easy and you should be able to win still a lot of that changing ground underneath their feet makes it understandable that especially in the first half of the NBA season, things would go wrong. But now down the home stretch, and especially now that Doc Rivers has framed this the way he has, there's no excuses. And if you lose, you're going to get blasted. No. So they better get right and figure it out. So that that's the thing. Uh, these and, and I also love when he goes through the whole timeline, then says, I don't like to victimize myself. I I don't feel, you know, I don't want to feel bad about myself. That's not who I am. Th thanks for just listing then everything that says that's, that's what you <laughs> did. So it comes down to are they, are they excuses or are they reasons? Are these reasons that you are where you are or are these just excuses to say this is why we are where we are? And I think some are reasons, some are excuses. You know, changing a head coach, you know, means changing of styles. Uh, they were horrible defensively. That's why, you know, you make the one firing and you bring in Doc and it hasn't been working since. But to me, one of the biggest things is you haven't had your group on the court, right? Those 10 games we're talking about, three and seven coming, going into the break, seven of those games, you know, you didn't have your three, Dame and Middleton and Giannis together. So that's what I had said before the break. And I'll say now, because Mike, you're right. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what you've gone through. Nobody could care less about it. So deal with it. What you have, deal with it. And at the end, if you don't make it, will it be? Will they be excuses you're making or will they be reasons for why you didn't? And to me, the biggest thing right now is you have you have 20 some odd games to if you once you can get Middleton back on the court, if you can get this lineup playing together for any amount of time, how well can they gel before you hit the postseason? Dad, I think the difference between an excuse and a reason generally tends to be the source, right? Their reasons when they come from us, they sound like excuses when they come from the people that are actually going through it. That generally tends to be because all the things he mentioned, if we're coherently analyzing basketball, are reasons why if you're grading against the other great teams in the league, you would say, 
all right, there's some instability here versus continuity that other teams have that are doing really well right now. We've got to factor that into our analysis. But when you hear it from Doc Rivers, when you hear it from Giannis Antetokounmpo, that generally tends to be the time where it resonates differently because we just don't internalize it that way. We don't receive it that way as a public when it comes from the source, when it comes from the people involved in it, because then we just call it excuses and then we seem like these great people we expect to do great things are trying to give themselves an escape hatch here when they're just saying the same things that most of the rest of us do. So I think that's a fine line with those two things, especially when you've got one of the guys that's in the conversation for the best player in the world. Because in this sport in right. particular, what do we always assume? Hey, if you're one of those guys, you're supposed to be able to bootstrap this entire thing. Even if that's always been somewhat unrealistic, that's how everyone perceives it. And so it makes things very interesting. Like going into tonight, Dad, we're going to make this game with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Minnesota Timberwolves, our cash it or trash it segment presented by DraftKings. Stay tuned. You're going to hear more about DraftKings and all it has to offer throughout our shows. DraftKings, the crown is yours. You're going up against the number one team in the Western Conference tonight. The T-Wolves are a four-point favorite home against the Bucks. The Bucks really need this win. And you mentioned they have been three and seven going into the All-Star break. The Minnesota Timberwolves have been seven and three going into the All-Star break in their last games. And dad, I will absolutely cash a Bucks win here because what would be the funniest possible outcome? What would be the dumbest thing that could happen? And Generally, when I bet, it tends to be, hey, think of the funniest possible outcome, because usually sports are pretty dumb and the dumb thing can happen. And the Bucks have been sitting around all All-Star break and hearing all the talking and hearing all the chatter. And you've got a Minnesota team that's been riding high and rolling for most of the season, and they look really good. And this Milwaukee team is another one. They do have a core of guys with championship experience. So I would not be surprised. Min or Mil or Milwaukee plus 160 as underdogs on the money line tonight. I'll take that one because, again, this is now going to be a home stretch where I do wonder, as certain guys get healthy, as lineups start to tilt more towards the rotations you'll have in the postseason, if the dumbest possible thing could happen, which is this Bucks team that we've been railing on for the last week would go out and beat the one seed in the West. So to me, I mean, I, I think I, I would cash it for Milwaukee as well. But, you know, you wonder again about Chris Middleton, you know, is is he's listed as day to day, um, you know, been out since I think it was February 6th he's or February 8th. Um, so to me, I'll, I'll start buying more into them when he comes back and can get healthy but I do think going into the break, how they were playing, that they're going to come out and they're going to come out and try and come out like a ball of fire. So I, I would cash it on Milwaukee tonight as well. I would agree with you there. Yeah, I, I, I and we'll see. Like, I think for a lot of these teams, we're going to be paying attention to what happens coming right off the break, knowing full well that if they lose, we'll probably get another great Doc Rivers quote about how everyone's coming back from Cancun now. We had the foot coming out of the parking lot and all those things. But, Dad, I, I do think at some point, like, while we talk about the difference between excuses and reasons, you know this as someone that was in tied locker rooms for a long time, sometimes there is something to be said about just not saying much. Like when you're one of the teams right. that's going through it and is in the fire a bit right now, with the opportunity that they have to in the Eastern Conference with the 76ers being what they are currently, with the Cavs being a team that people are going to have trust issues with in the postseason because of what happened last year, and the Knicks as a team that, yeah, people want to believe in. Jalen Brunson and them have been an awesome story, but still also remains to be seen in that time of year. You've got a great opportunity. It might just be time for everybody to stop. And listen, I say this as a guy that used to be the quote guy, that used to be the guy that did well with the media, and Giannis has always been that. It might just be time to give people a lot less right now in the name of protecting what your team's trying yep. to do. I would agree with that. And, and quickly, with Chris Middleton, I say when he can play and play healthy, 
in Minnesota. He didn't practice with the team. The ankle is still not fully healed, so I certainly wouldn't expect uh, to see him. It would just be a matter of how many more games does he miss because you want that ankle to be healthy. The last thing in the world you want is for him to come back and tweak that thing again. So you do want it to be fully healthy. He has been out uh, a while uh, with that ankle. So that needs to be healthy if this team is going to do uh, that will be a reason <laughs> and not an excuse uh, if they are, if, if Middleton isn't uh, healthy enough to play with this team or tweaks it again, especially when the playoffs roll around. So they got to make sure he's right. Yeah, uh, well, Giannis and Drew Holiday, I feel like always got a lot of top billing. You watch the end of a lot of those games and it was the ball in Chris Middleton's hands and what he can do creating for himself, especially that ended up being so special for that team. Coming up next, as we get to the final home stretch of this show for the week, we got to talk about an injustice. One of my favorite fast food franchises has been holding out on us here in America for years, and it finally comes to an end. We right this egregious wrong next on Gojo and Golden. All right, guys, time to finish off the show and the week the way we always do with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us that five-star rating, and check us out here live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKings Network, DraftKingsNetwork.com, our YouTube channel, and all the great streaming platforms we're on. Again, you can still catch the best of Gojo and Golik from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern on any radio station that carries VEASAN, our great friends over at the Vegas Stats and Info Network. If you missed any of it live, though, or our great guest, shout out to our friend Jessica Smetana from the Dan Levitard Show and Kenny Dillingham, the head football coach at Arizona State. For joining us today, you can catch both of those interviews wherever you get your podcasts or available right here on the YouTube channel as soon as we get done with this show. But guys, let's get to this, that, and the third. I'm ticked off. So we got the announcement the other day that KFC is getting ready to introduce nationwide the Chitza. It's a chicken parm related pizza. It's a fried chicken pizza, essentially, that oh. they're going to introduce here nationwide. And when you first see the headline, you're like, hell yeah, chicken pizza. This is awesome. Using chicken to make other foods. Always cool. It's been a great formula for KFC for a while now. Then you read the subtext that, Dad, this first got introduced in the Philippines back in 2015. Yeah. It has been since spread to places like Germany, Mexico, and I saw Italy. They gave this to Italians before <laughs> they fed it to us. So I just want to know what we did to KFC to deserve you to hold out on us like this. I don't know, Dad. I don't know if you feel the same way as me, but I took this as a personal slight. Well, I'd like to know their reason, right? I mean, it's one thing to introduce it somewhere else, just kind of quickly do a test somewhere else. But as you mentioned, it's been out since 15 and in those different places. So why so long before it came here? Who wouldn't love a piece of breaded chicken with mozzarella or with uh, marinara sauce, mozzarella, pepperoni, sausage, whatever? I mean, who wouldn't want to try that? I mean, so I, I don't know why it took so long. I, we would, we need them to answer this question of why. It looks incredible. It's something we all would try. So why did it take, we're going on what now, <laughs> eighth and ninth year of it actually being out and finally being able to get to our mouths here in America? Why? Why? 
It's not. Uh, I will say, and I want to correct Jesus. this from a journalistic integrity standpoint. Uh, apparently, Italy was not one of the countries it was offered in. I misread that. It's India, Thailand, Korea, Taiwan, Spain, Germany, Mexico, and other countries. So it could have been Italy, but they're in the and other countries thing. I'm going to wait and find out more on that. But regardless, Emerson, that's a lot of countries that aren't the United States eating this. Yeah, that's true. And I could see that dropping in Italy and then being like, no. Like sticking their like noses yeah. up at it. Like, <laughs> I'm not touching that. Yeah. But, like, guys, this is the trend that we see with a lot of fast food joints where you go overseas and all of a sudden you've got cooler menu items. Hell, look at the candy stand in almost any foreign country, and you're going to get Kit, Kit Kat flavors and all these different candy varieties that you'll never see over here in the States. So, I do feel like, in general, we're getting punked by companies that have made a lot of their bread and butter out here, and I don't understand why. So, yes, I don't we, know what we did to yeah. deserve this. We in America need to be used as the guinea pigs more. Like we like yeah. we like yes. that when it comes to food. We're a country full of fat asses. Like that's who we are <laughs> yes. at our core. Yes. And as one of as one of those, I would love to help out with this cause. So you guys know where to find us. KFC, everyone else here, do the right thing. Let us help you taste test that's your right, way baby. through this. Emerson, let's get to a man who I'd imagine has not eating as many cheatsas as I have. And no. it's like Glenn Powell getting a chance to actually pull a Ted Lasso and bring to life a commercial character mm -hmm. and now bring it to the silver screen. Yeah, that's right. He's going to star in a show as Eli Manning's alter ego here. So it's based on that episode on ESPN Plus, Eli's Places. Remember, the Giants quarterback, former Giants quarterback, goes undercover as a walk-on prospect named Chad Powers at Penn State. So... Here we go. The show's logline reads, when bad behavior nukes hotshot quarterback Russ Holiday's college career, he disguises himself and walks onto a struggling Southern football team as the talented Chad Powers. I'm going to watch it. I will. Absolutely. He's a good-looking dude. <sighs> Yeah. Glenn Powell is red hot right now, Dad. To borrow the line from Zoolander, he could sell ketchup popsicles to a woman wearing white gloves at this point <laughs> right now. Um, that's just kind of where we're at with Glenn Powell. But I like this as a fit. It was a funny bit. I remember, and Eli Manning even said that yeah. became way more popular than he ever expected. He was getting catcalled in the street about the Chad Powers thing. And so Glenn Powell with a mustache, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would sign up for that visual alone out there. He's a guy that does have some football experience from that beach scene in Top Gun. So all that mixed together feels like this has a chance. It's not going to probably do what Ted Lasso did, but... At the very right, least, it right. seems like it's a fun side quest for a guy that most of Hollywood seems to like right now. I think it'll be a fun thing to watch. I, I did dig the Eli Manning thing. That was very, very cool how they did that. So we'll, we'll this obviously a longer version of that. I'll be interested to see how this plays out. I'll watch it. Glenn Powell had previously played a college athlete as a baseball player in Richard Linklater's Everybody Wants Some. So, uh, yeah, it'll be... I don't, doing sports shows is always kind of a difficult task because a lot of it, especially if you want to include actual in-game sports action, gets done so poorly that yeah. it makes most of us that work around it laugh. A lot of it ends up being inside baseball stuff. Like, I'm sure the way our buddy Jason Fitz watches some movie that's about a musician making their way through. You tend to watch for the stuff you know. I think that's why so many football fans ended up laughing their asses off through something like Draft Day because what's presented there is so ridiculous in comparison to this yeah. real thing that we actually know and go through.
Well, I mean, think think if you're an actor who is never really an athlete and you're asked to play an athletic role, just on how daunting that would be. Because the last thing you you would want to do is go out on a field of play to kind of supposed to show that you're this athlete in this sport in this movie and it not look realistic. You just, that would be a horrible thing. Is Sydney Sweeney well, going to be in it? Speaking of. TBD on that one. Okay. I'm sure a lot of people also hoping there. Eli Manning, by the way, had a little chirp for Glenn Powell. He tweeted, I hope Glenn's working on his QB skills. I saw him, saw him throw a football in Maverick, and he's got some work to do. To which Glenn Powell responded, <laughs> I saved America, and you're nitpick, pick, nitpicking me about the long ball. Talk to me when you win a championship <laughs> lathered in coconut oil. I don't know if there's anyone on earth that wants ah. to see Eli Manning lathered up in coconut oil, but if we can find that one sicko, we'll try and make that content happen for you. Emerson, let's get to the third and finish <laughs> off with the sickoest content of the day. Gigantic snakes, and we're not talking about the Major League Baseball see-through pants. <laughs> Hey, listen, man, you took it there. Not me, but I was thinking it. Yeah, there's this giant anaconda. This thing, a team of scientists has discovered a new species of green anaconda in the Amazon rainforest. So there's been this video recorded. We see it, you're, for watching the podcast on YouTube right now, you see this thing. It's 26 feet long. There's this scientist, this professor, who's just swimming alongside it. What is this man doing? He's asking to die, Dad. I kept <laughs> right? watching this video and expecting the snake to eventually turn and end his time on this earth. I, I, I don't understand. That snake is so big, and this dude swimming by the snake, that snake makes one turn toward him, and it's over. You're in, you're in that snake's world, and you're done. I... I, I is there and what start to name the scariest places? And I don't have all the info, but the Amazon rainforest, mm -hmm. the amount of things that could probably that could, in a possibility, great possibility, kill you. I I think you know, is it more than Australia? I mean, we always talk about Australia and the amount of things that can kill you. I find it hard to believe there's anything more than the Amazon rainforest of things that could kill you and things we don't even know about yet there. Australia, the Amazon rainforest, and I would say the bottom of the ocean, probably the three places that would be on the mm -hmm. metal stand for that. I think we need to know more about Freak Vonk, the professor that's in charge of all this, who apparently is a Dutch biologist who specializes in snake venom, almost lost his arm due to a shark bite in the Caribbean reef, and has housed several parasites in his body, so say okay. the Wikipedia page. Sounds like new Steve Irwin just dropped, yeah. and we need to see more about this guy oh, here. Sounds if like you want to see and hear more normal. about this show, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review it. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out live here 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.